Um, you know, we just people can just enter into the presence of God and focus on God as we worship, and that's what we want. And um, I believe God God will touch people's lives as they just focus on Him. You know, I, I have enough confidence in God um, that that um, I I believe God can do it. I don't have to try to do it for Him. <laughs> I mean, he, he moves through people, He ministers through people, but I think sometimes people think they have to kind of make things happen, you know, because maybe God, you know, maybe God needs my help to make it happen. <laughs> you know, if he prompts you to do something, if he says, stretch your rod across the sea, then you stretch your rod across the sea. Amen? But, but and, and then his power can do that. His power can take the little bit we give him and multiply it. But, but sometimes people think they'll just walk up to the Red Sea without an instruction from God and try to part that sea themselves and make God move. <laughs> and there's, there's a little bit of a difference there. It's, it's about whether you, you're hearing from God. It's, a, it's about whether you're cooperating with God. If God says do something, you do something. Uh, but sometimes people, you know, when God's not doing something, they try to just work it up and, 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 and make it happen. But I believe when we connect in with him correctly, when we just tap in, sometimes it just means putting our agenda aside and just doing, getting in worship, getting in worship like that. And, uh, and, and, and let, him, let him do and say what he wants to say. Now, just before I teach, my mom asked, if you don't know, this is my mom. For those of you who don't know, this is my mom. <laughs> my mom just wanted to give a testimony tonight. Um, do you want to come up and do that? Do you want to stand behind this or do you want to hold the mic? Whichever you prefer. There you go. Is that right for you? Right. Well, praise God. He's a healing God. Amen. Wow. It's amazing. Um, about eight weeks ago, seven, eight weeks ago, I suddenly got most excruciating pain in my left, my right hip, and it went down my leg. And um, my husband... He's a physical therapist, not a physiotherapist, a physical therapist. And he, he knows how to work on muscles and joints. And he worked on mine. But the pain still persisted, and I didn't have any relief from it. So um, I got my healing scriptures out, and I was speaking life into my body and speaking the word of God into me. But still no relief. Um, and it went on and on and on. And um, I had to give up my gym for a while um, because I just couldn't do any stretching. I just, you know, it was crazy. Just, you know, felt stiff and stiffened up. And I, I didn't go to the doctor because I didn't think it was necessary and I didn't want a diagnosis anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, anyway, um, Saturday, Anthony, my husband, and I, we went to Cheshire Oaks. And we spent the afternoon there, and we took a couple of trains there. We didn't take our car. Um, and then the next day, Sunday, wow, it really hit me. <laughs> I couldn't walk. It, it was impossible. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, to be in a position like this, I have never had um, backache. I've just never been like that. So... Um, you would have thought that that day I would have, you know, prayed and said, Lord, you know, just speak my healing and thank God for it. But I didn't. You know, some, when you overcome with pain, sometimes it's all you think of. 
and it really was quite baffling. So I've never been like that. And anyway, so I thought Monday morning came and I thought, okay, that's it. No more of this. I'm spending time in God's mm -hmm. word and I am going to believe it in my heart. And I have my healing scriptures. It's not something new for me. But I'm going to um, I'm going to get my healing, and I was determined mm -hmm. to get it. So I got my scriptures out, and you know we know that verse in um, Mark 11, 23, 24, which says, you know, believe in your heart, and then speak out, speak to the mountains, believe, mm -hmm. and then speak. Yeah. So that's what I was doing, and I didn't just spend a little time doing this. I spent a lot of my time just in the word, in the word, mm -hmm. speaking healing over me, speaking the word and listening, yeah. um, you know, getting it into my heart and speaking out from my heart. Anyway, that was fine. And then Tuesday morning, the same thing. I did it, the same thing. And mm -hmm. I, I've never really spent that amount of time, you know, just spending on healing scriptures. I've done a certain amount, but not that much. So I think... I must to put in a, a good couple of hours just, you know, speaking the word over me. So, right. And then, um, well, it happened then, Tuesday. <laughs> the pain just left. Man, it was God. absolutely amazing. And I could walk again. Um, I mean, I, I could walk, but I, I wasn't walking very well. But, you know, I just thank God because it just left. And not only that, um, I started getting my energy back. Now, I had, and that, that was amazing to me because I've been losing a lot of energy lately. And when I do housework, oh, it's a big task. And um, by the end of it, I'm really tired. And I, I just found, you know, that I've been able to do more. And housework just wasn't, you know, an issue this week when I did it. And I was fine. I wasn't tired afterwards, which was unusual. But I just thank God because um, that pain just left. Amen, amen. And well, I'm whole. So Praise thank God. you. So thank you, Lord. Works. Praise God. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Praise God. That just reminds me of a um, number of years ago. Um, actually, before I say that, <clears throat> many many times people don't really receive and get a hold of the things that God has for them because they just want it to happen quick and easy. And they want it to fall on them. And they want somebody else to do it for them. And, uh, you know, praise God. How many of you believe that God, there are people that have a healing anointing. There's people that God uses. In fact, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And, and God flows through one individual to another for, to, to, to minister healing. But, you know, many people in the body of Christ are dependent upon that being the only way how they know how to get healed. It, 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 and and, and, and they, it, it's amazing. You see Christians all over the place and they just say, you know, I'm going through a crisis. Someone pray for me. Help, help, help. And, and, and praise God. We love people. We want to help people. We want to help them through and pray for them. I don't have a problem with standing with people. But do you know that many Christians simply do not ha know how to get something from God for themselves? They, they, all they know how when they go through a crisis is to call up someone else to do it for them. And, 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 you know, one of the things in these meetings, and many of you know my heart, and, and, and I'm going to teach tonight. I'm really going to 
teach. I had it on my heart to really just teach some things. This isn't it. This is just the, the follow-on from, from that. I'm going to teach something else in a minute. But um, <clears throat> one of the things that's on my heart with the teaching of the Word is I believe God wants people equipped. God wants believers equipped with an understanding of how to cooperate with Him and how to work the Word of God in their lives and how to put principles into practice to receive things that God has for you. Um, and, and this is something that, that has been a mystery to many Christians. They've not known how to do this. It's not as complicated as, as we make it, but, but, but the enemy has, has, in, has kind of maybe blinded people to some degree, but maybe led us to believe that the only way you can get it is by just depending upon someone else because you couldn't possibly hope to get it yourself. But, you know, that scripture my mom quoted, Mark 11, it says, Jesus says, have faith in God, Mark 11, 22, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, I think I'm going to quote, I think it's the King James that I know off by heart, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, now, what does he say, whosoever, who is whosoever? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Is that in the Bible? That's, that's not some modern preacher who wrote that verse. That, that came out of Jesus' mouth. Maybe not in King James. But, but that, that principle. And you know what he said afterwards? The, the next verse, verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire... Who, who's, who again, whatsoever things? You. All of us, yes, it applies to all of us, but I'm going to draw a point out here. Whatsoever things you desire, notice the word you, yeah? Who's it talking to? Directly to me. Whatsoever things you desire, go and get someone else to pray for you. Is that what Jesus said? Now, there are other verses where the Bible says, James, call the elders of the church. I don't have a problem with that. But, but that's, calling someone else is not the only way. Jesus said, so whatsoever things you desire, account with me. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, who prays? The person who has the desire, who has the need. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and do you hear the re repetition? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What's Jesus trying to do here? I make a point, yeah. But he's trying to teach us as individuals how to pray and how to get results in our prayer life and how to receive from God. It, 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 getting someone else to pray for you is part is, is one way. But many people are so dependent upon someone else knowing how to receive from God or someone else being in contact with God. And many Christians, if it wasn't for someone else being in contact with God, they'd never receive anything. Now, as I said, there's a place for that. But you see, the thing is, we've become dependent upon that as being the only way. 
How many of you know there's Christians all over the planet, when they want to get a, when they want to hear what God is saying for their lives, how many of you believe God leads us? There are many Christians, when they, when they want to hear what God is saying for their lives, or they want to hear a word from God, they go find someone else to give them a word from God. Do you have a word from the Lord for me? I remember, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> probably the wrong one to ask. I remember, I remember years ago, I remember years ago, someone, someone got off and they called them up at, at like four o'clock in the morning. You know, the guy's fast asleep. He's been traveling and they just called because, you know, they knew he prophesied and different things and prophets ministry. They called them up at like four o'clock in the morning and a complete stranger, never spoken to the minister before. They just knew about his ministry. They phoned him up and said, uh, as he picked up his phone half asleep, the guy said, do you have a word from the Lord for me? You know, what, you know what the guy said? He said, yeah, go to bed. <laughs> he put the phone down. <laughs> you might think, how rude. Oh, hold on a second. How rude to call him at four o'clock in the morning, thinking he's got to be hearing God for you. But you see, this, this is the case. The a large percentage of the body of Christ is it, it, the only way they can ever hear from God is when someone else gets a word from me. And you hear it all over the place. This is why certain types of conferences are so popular. Please, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm I'm trying to instruct. Do you understand? Sometimes to instruct, you've got to say some things. And it's not done judgmentally or critically, but it's done as an observation. Do you know that Paul observed people? Paul went to the Corinthians and said, hold on, guys, there's some strife going on. You guys are babies. You need, to, you, you need milk again. What's he doing? He said, oh, he's being very judgmental of me. No, he's being a teacher who's observing people, who's understanding where they're at and what they need. Sometimes as a teacher and, and, and observations in the body of Christ, you see that large percentages of Christians, large, large portions of Christians are very dependent upon someone else giving me a prophetic word, someone else praying for me to get my healing. That's okay up to a point. Listen to me. That's okay up to a point. Do you know that Paul, Paul, I might as well quote Paul. He's a good, good source to quote. Paul, Paul said something to the effect of when I was a child, what did he do? I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I grew, grew up. <laughs> my, it's my little bit there. I grew up. How many of you were ever a child? Anyone in here ever been a child before? Some of you were just probably born super mature. <clears throat> you know, we were all a child at one point, weren't we? And when I was a child, you know, my mom, my mom said, she can give you testimony, I'm sure, about this. When I was a baby, you had to do everything for me, didn't you? <laughs> any, other, any other moms around you? You had to do it all for them, didn't you? They needed food. You, get, you had to give them food. You had to do it all for them. All right, I'm going to have to move this. I keep walking into it. But, but there came a time when they came. Oh, I'm hungry. You said, there's the kitchen. Go and get one yourself. <laughs> I'm not doing it all for you all the time. Is that how it's supposed to happen? That's how it's supposed to happen spiritually as well. That's why Paul said, when I was a child, I behaved and thought. And spoke
Try some things for yourself. And then you see what happens. You start to teach people how to receive from God, how to take the principles of the word of God, put them into practice. And what, what happens next? People come back to you and they go, I tried that and it didn't work. <laughs> and, they, and, and what they really mean is, I, you know, I, I, I just did it quickly, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and what they don't realize is this, is, is actually learning how to receive from God. You've got to get determined. You've got to drive your heels in the ground. You've got to learn how to get the word of God working in your life. How many of you rode a bike the first time you, you, you got on a bike without falling off? Did it work the first time? You had to learn how to ride a bike. You had to, you had to persist. You had to be determined about it. You had to keep at it. Just because you fall off one time doesn't mean you quit and say, well, I'm never riding a bike. Well, some people might, you know. No, you, you keep at it. See, this is what it's like with the Word of God. You, we've got to learn how to take the principles of the Word, apply them. Because you know what? Jesus is coming back for a baby church, isn't he? He's coming for a very young baby church that has to have everything done for them. No? What type of church is he coming back for? Glorious church? But, but Ephesians talks about that. We may all, it talks about us, Ephesians 4, that we may grow up. To a perfect man. That means complete, mature man. And in fact, in that passage where Paul says, when I was a child, I thought, behaved, acted, spoke like a child when I became a man. That passage, part of it, he's talking about growing up. In the context, he's talking about the, 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 the body of Christ coming to that place of, the Bible uses the word perfect or perfection, but, it, but it, it's not how we in the 21st century think of the word perfect. It's, it, it's an old use of the word, and it means complete or entire or mature, grow up. So one of the things that has to happen before Jesus returns is for the body of Christ to grow up. And part of growing up is, is learning how to walk in the word yourself. This is why the word's so important in this generation. And, and, and you see, sometimes when you try to get children, babies to grow up and you, you know, you don't want them having sucking their, you know, their thing anymore and their and and, 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 and their milk bottle and everything, you know, you might get a tantrum on your hands. Anyone ever had a tantrum when you tried to get your kids to, to, to change the way they behaved and grow up a little bit? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they don't like it. Maybe they want to go back to the old way. Maybe they want to do it the, the way they used to do it. But you see. In order for a child to grow up, there's got to be some changes in how they function in some ways. They can't keep growing up acting and behaving like children. And this is, this is where we're at. This is one of the places we're at in the body of Christ right now. Is You see, God is wanting, and, and he's raised up teaching over the last few dec decades. There's been resistance to it. People, people say, I don't want to learn how to get healing myself. I, I just call someone up to get my healing for me. I don't want to learn how to hear from God and be led by the Holy Spirit. I just want to call someone up for a prophetic word. <laughs> but you see, God says, time to begin to grow up. It's time for us to grow to maturity and to, to know how to walk in the word of God ourselves and apply the principles and take the word of God because we want to become that mature, grown-up body that Jesus spoke about and that God spoke about in his word. And in order for us to become that grown-up body, this is part of what's going to happen. Do you know that in order for the body to mature, the individual members in the body need to mature? you've got a whole body of Christ full of baby Christians, I guarantee you that's not going to be a mature body. <laughs> the, 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 the spiritual maturity of the body is directly connected to the cumulative spiritual maturity of all the individuals in the body. When you put them together, you've got a bunch of babies, you've got a bunch of grown-ups. 
Now, we should always have some baby Christians because new people should be receiving Jesus. But okay, so there's always going to be a degree. But we should be getting to the stage where, 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 where the vast majority, especially if people have been Christians a while, are growing up to a point of maturity. But you know, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 5, I almost said Paul or Peter or something, but, but in Hebrews, that's the one we want. In Hebrews 5, he said this, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you need one again to teach you, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. What's he saying? What's he saying to that group of people? He said, you should be a lot more further along than you are. You should be more grown up than you are, but you still need someone to show you the basics again. And then he says, let's move on from the basics. Now he's saying, don't ever move. Don't, he's, he's not saying don't ever teach the basics again. He's talking to them about this personal growth where they don't need someone to teach them the basics in a sense that they don't know the basics like. Amen. He says, you should be teaching others. You should be at a point where you're more mature. But he says, you need someone to go through it all with you again because you still don't know how to function in it. See, God's wanting the body of Christ. He wanted individuals to learn how to walk in the word of God. And this is, this is, why, this is a large part of my heart and a large, a large part of my passion. There's different things that I do, but the, 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 the basic core foundational commission on my life that God gave me was very simple. When many, many years ago, he said, I want you to focus on the word of God as the standard for truth in the church today. And that's been the driving force of everything behind me but as a heart of a teacher. Get, draw people to the word. Why? Why is the word so important? See, people say, oh, yeah, you know, we, we had the word taught, you know, 20 years ago in our church. We'd moved on from that. Oh, yeah, well, you've got a big problem you start talking, talking about. We've moved on from that. We don't need that anymore. Some Christians think, well, they just needed a bit of word teaching when they were young Christians, and now we can forget about it. No, 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 no. We're supposed to walk in the word on a day and a daily basis, become people of the word, grow in the word, not just get a bit of word and then abandon teaching and throw it to the, to the wayside and think we, 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 we don't need that anymore. We had some teaching. We can just get on with other stuff. That's become part of the problem. The body of Christ got some teaching and then they thought we've had enough of that. They threw it aside. God's having to come back and say, no, we need this stuff back in there because God is looking for a people that function and walk and operate by his word. There's never a time when, when a Christian doesn't need teaching and doesn't need the word of God and, and input of the word. Doesn't matter how much teaching you've had. You can tell when a person doesn't really understand the word when they talk in a way that shows they think they, they, think they don't need the word anymore. <laughs> Some of you, yeah, I'm a, I never said that quite like that before, but I'll say it again. You can tell how, what, how did I say it? I'll have to look at the recording. You can, you can tell how, how, how grown up in the word someone really is, I'll say it slightly differently, by, by their attitude to whether they th still think they need the word in, anymore. If they come to a point where they think, oh, I don't need teaching, I don't need the word anymore, you can tell this, you probably need it a lot more than you think you do. Because you're not actually as further, far along. Because someone who's growing in the word will become hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and hungrier for more word. When someone comes to a point where they don't think they need the word, their spiritual growth is paused at some point. Because they think, we don't need the word anymore. You know why? We can just call someone up to prophesy over us. That's the latest thing. No, 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 no. That's not the latest thing. <laughs> Again, I don't have a problem with that. When God can, can do that when he wants to. But when we become dependent upon that, people abandon the word and they go back to 
Let's get an, an anointed man to get my healing for me. No, you don't abandon the word at any point. Don't talk, walk away from it. How many of you understand? Children of Israel, and I use this illustration a lot. Children of Israel in the prom, sorry, in the wilderness, they had everything done for them. They needed a miracle? Quickly call Moses up. Let's have a miracle. Someone go grab Moses. Oh, there's a Red Sea in front of us. Well, we don't have to praise God. We don't have to put any spiritual principles into practice. All we'll do is get afraid and cry at the front of the Red Sea. Ah! Where in the Bible does it say, you shall cry and be afraid and God will move in your life? <laughs> it's the mercy of God that moves when, you, when you're in that state. We've all had a state when we, we cry and get afraid. But you see, God's wanting us to come to a point when you face a challenge, you don't cry and fall apart. You begin to put principles, of, this word of God into practice. You begin to speak to that mountain. You begin to get the word in your life. You begin to praise God, praise your way through that thing and begin to say, Father, I thank you. You're greater than this situation. Rather than sit, at the, sit in front of the situation and cry. <laughs> okay? Children of Israel... Children of Israel, they, they didn't grow up in the wilderness. I mean, physically, that many of them, some of them did, but spiritually, they, 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 they just got very used to Moses doing it all for them. And they didn't have to, we didn't have to live by the word. God gave them in Mount Sinai, gave them, gave them what for them was the word, all the word of God they had at the time. And immediately they abandoned and wouldn't put it into practice and wouldn't live by it. And the next crisis that came up, they just cried and moaned and complained again. And, and Moses, oh, and God, God moved through Moses, and Moses, and the miracles happened, and they got through. And then, oh, yes, a miracle happened. Praise God, a miracle happened. The truth is the miracle didn't happen because of them. It happened in spite of them. They, they, it always had to be someone else. But you see, they got to the verge of the promised land, and, and, and what happened? They couldn't get in. Why? Because you know what? They tried the same strategy they'd used before. They got afraid of the giants. Well, they'd, be, they'd done that one before. And what did they do? God said, right, you're not going in. You know, you, you, you know what happened? They all went back to their tents, and the Bible said they cried all night. See, that strategy had worked before. We don't have to, we don't have to believe God. All we have to do is get afraid and cry and complain. We'll, sit, we'll grumble and murmur in our tents all night. They came out the next morning, lined up for battle, and said, here we are, the Lord will take us in now. Because they've used the same strategy they, ever, they always used. Cry, get afraid, <laughs> and mumble. So they just thought they were going to wake up in the morning, and Moses was going to say, oh, it's all right, it's all right, we'll take you in anyway. And this time it was different. Moses said, you ain't going in this time. They said, what? But what's different? We've, done, we've moaned, complained, and been afraid every other time. And the, God said, the difference is because this time I expect you to function by the word. I expect you to be people of faith. And what en they ended up going back into the wilderness. And they couldn't step on into everything that God had for them. Why? God expected it to be done differently that time. He expected it to be done by his word. He expected people who began to believe him. And in that instance, he, they, they waited 40 years for another generation who actually would. See, th this is more relevant to our day than people realize. And some of you probably heard me say this before. This still isn't my message, but it's, it's, it's good anyway. <clears throat> I 
It'll lead into my message in a moment. But I'm repeating this because we, need, we really need to begin to see this. The move of God in our generation, what God wants to do in our day, is going to be different from how it's been done before. And one of the main differences is God's looking for that group that will walk in the Word. Walk in cooperation with God. He's, look, he's not just looking to flow through a few individuals while, while the rest of the body of Christ sits, sits like babies just wanting it all fed to them. He's looking for the body to grow up in the Word. He's been feeding the Word for a while now. Has God been giving His Word onto this planet? Now, this will lead me into, I told you it'll lead in, I just didn't know it was going to lead in at this point. But you know what, I, you know when the word of God in the Bible is described as a seed. Seed. How many of you ever heard the word of God described as a seed? Jesus talked about the sower sows the word in Mark 4. And in fact, a seed is likened to, to, to the, he likens the whole kingdom of God to a seed. Yeah? Uh, you know, seeds in the Bible can be a number of things, but for, for context of what I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about the word is the seed, okay? Now, what is, what is powerful and significant about a seed? How many, how many, how many of you went and you thought one day I, wanna, I want some apples, so you know, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know, or tomatoes, maybe that one's easier to grow or whatever. Maybe not apple tree. I don't know what. You thought you want to grow a little vegetable garden. You went and bought some seeds. And so, and, and, and you know, once you had your tomato seeds, you, you put them in a nice glass cabinet in your house. And you said, look, I've got seeds. Wow, yeah. Woohoo, we got seeds. Look at my seeds. <laughs> how, many, how many of you think that's the way to, to, to grow vegetables? And you go, you, you can, you can look, you can, you can, and you can go to your friends. You shake your little seed pack and go, I've got seeds. Your friends are like, we could buy seeds too. It's not seed, it's not, it, it's not impressive having a packet of seeds. Sell them down to the shop, anyone can buy seeds. You know what's impressive? Someone who knows how to use those seeds, <clears throat> does the right thing with them. Why did God, why did Jesus liken the word to a seed and the kingdom to a seed. What, what is so powerful and significant about a seed? Is a seed powerful because it stays a seed? That's not what's impressive about a seed. A seed is impressive and powerful because when it is sown and when it is used correctly, what happens? It, it grows and it multiplies. That's right. Seeds increase. So Jesus told parables about, about the kingdom of God. It's like a mustard seed sown in the ground, but when it grows up, it becomes greater than all others. What, what is significant about a seed is that a seed has the power to grow and increase and multiply and produce. It's harvest. How many of you know one time Jesus talked about if you have faith as a mustard seed? See, the disciples had come to him and said, increase our faith. Now, just because the disciples asked that question doesn't mean it's the right question. See, theologians study the question. You've got to realize Jesus' disciples at that time were amateurs in training. They were not the apostles of the church yet. They, they were just learning. 
They often ask questions. Just because they ask a question doesn't mean there's great theological revelation in the question that they ask. Because they, it's like, you know, I used to teach in Bible schools. It's like a first-year Bible school student coming and asking some question, and they think they found the greatest, most impressive thing in the Bible to ever ask. And you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, you've got a lot of grain in the way to go. You love them anyway, you know. You realize the question shows where they're not at spiritually a lot of the time. So when they said increase our faith, doesn't mean that's how you're supposed to get more faith. Did Jesus say, okay, come here, come here, I'll, come, I'll just increase all of your faith? Is that how he responded to their question? No, it's not how he responded to their question. Because Jesus knew that's not how you increase faith. They didn't know that because they were amateurs still in Bible school. But what did Jesus say to them? Jesus said, I'll paraphrase it, if you have faith like a mustard seed. Now, many of you probably heard the mustard seeds are small. Tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny, yes. And so you get Christians who read that passage and say, Jesus said all you need is mustard seed faith. And my faith is mustard seed faith. Look at my mustard seed faith. We're going to put it in a glass cabinet. We're going to show everybody my, my mustard seed faith. And they spend years boasting about how small their faith is. I've just got mustard seed faith. My faith's mustard seed faith. Ten years later... Jesus said, all you need is mustard seed faith. My faith is mustard seed faith. Wow, look at my bag of seeds. That's what a lot of Christians are doing. And they're justifying why 20 years after being a Christian, they still got mustard seed faith. Why did Jesus compare it to a seed? What was their question? Increase their faith. They wanted more. Now, I said a moment ago their question was wrong, but Jesus still knew... The core desire was they, they wanted more faith. He knew that asking him for it was not the way to get it. But he still showed them how to get an increase. He told them faith is like a... What's the power of seeds? What, 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 you told me a minute ago, what makes seeds impressive? Not that they stay seeds, but that they increase and they grow. So... Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will do what? Say, grow. Don't worry. The, the word in the Bible is say, but yes, the principle is grow. You'll say. What, what's saying got to do with your faith and mustard seed faith? You begin to use that faith. Faith is released through your words. And, and Jesus said, you, you see, how did God sow the seed of his word? Jesus said, you take that faith and you begin to say and you begin to sow that faith. What will happen? It'll stay a mustard seed. No, you're still not getting it. When seed, the, 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 the power of a seed is that it'll increase. Jesus said, as you begin to use your faith, doesn't matter if you start with a little bit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You could put it this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith grows by using it. So many people say, all I need to get is more faith. Hear the word, hear the word. Get faith, get faith, get faith. But they never use it. Okay? Let's get back to seeds. 
I'm just making sure I haven't gone until like 10 o'clock already. At least track of time when I'm up here. I'm all right. Plenty of time. Let's get back to seeds. So Jesus, what was Jesus trying to show them? First of all, God is expecting the faith, the faith to increase. Shouldn't always, it's okay when you're a young Christian if you've got mustard seed faith, but don't tell me you've been a Christian 30 years and you've still got mustard seed faith. Something's not working right. At some point, that faith is supposed to have been sown as a seed and begin to grow and increase. What is impressive about seeds? They grow and increase. I want to tell you something about God. God sows seeds. Did he sow the seed of the word? So he gave us his word. And why did God give us the seed of his word? Did he give us the seed of his word so that it can just stay a seed in our lives and go nowhere? How many of you ever heard the, the parable of the sower? Sower sows the word. And then he talks about four different types of ground, didn't he? You can find it in, I believe it's Matthew 13 and Mark 4. I'm not looking at all the scriptures today, but you, you can find these different principles in the scriptures. Mark 4 and Matthew 13. And, and, and I might actually read some of the phrases for you because, because just to get it right. But, but what did he say about the, the, the four types of ground? Some, the, the seed is sown by the wayside. Now, what happened with the seed sown by the wayside? Birds of the air came and took it. In other words, nothing really happened to the seed. It just got vaporized by the birds. <laughs> okay? And then he said some of the other seed was um, thrown, sown amongst thorns. Okay? But I'm trying to find the passage here. I've got it somewhere here. I've got the Mark 4 one. Let me read a bit of you. I'll read it out of Mark 4. Mark 4, 26. Actually, no, too far in Mark. That's the later one I quoted. Let me find the one I actually want. Yeah, there it is. Mark 4. Uh, let me read you the parable. Verse 3, Listen, verse three. Mark 4, 3, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed. Well, now, what's he sowing? Seeds, because <laughs> that's what you sow. You sow seeds. And that some seed, there it is, fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. And, 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 and some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. Now notice this phrase. And it yielded no crop. The, the word literally there means fruit. Didn't produce any fruit. It's translated crop uh, in, in the version I'm using, but literally the word means fruit. Now, now, now that's the three types of ground. The, the, the three types or something... Something stopped the seed doing what? Growing and increasing. Listen to the fourth type of ground. But other seed fell on good ground. Now, what, what does Jesus point out about the good ground? Listen. And yielded a crop. Word means fruit. It was yielded fruit, produced fruit. That sprang up, increased... And produced some 30, some 60, some 100. What's he telling you about the good ground? 
The seed doesn't stay a seed in the good ground. It starts as a seed, but what does it do? It begins to produce and, and, and increase. And you'll find when Jesus explains the parable to his disciples, he uses this phrase. For example, he, 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 this is Jesus' explanation of the third type of ground. He says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, entering in choke the word. Now notice this. And it becomes unfruitful. Then this is Jesus' explanation of the fourth type of ground. These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it. Now notice this phrase. And bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Now, I'm going to read you a bunch of scriptures in a minute because I, I want you to notice something. I want you to begin to realize this. And this is where I'm going to link this in with what I was going to preach. I cut the bit down I was going to preach down, but I'm going to get the key points out. When God sows a seed, it's not God's intention that it stays a seed. When God invests his word into someone's life, it is sown as a seed. He puts his word into your life as a seed. But he is not impressed if 30 years later you come back to him and say, here's the seed looking for from the he's looking for the seed that he invests to begin to increase grow and produce fruit he's looking for that seed that he invests into someone's life to begin to produce something in their life it's fascinating when you begin to study the topic of fruit in the Bible, now there's different things. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's other things. But, but it's a broad study. I began to realize this. God loves fruit. I'm not just talking about apples, oranges, and bananas. But throughout his word, he, he emphasizes the idea of fruit. How many of you, I remember Jesus came to the fig tree. And, and, and it says that the fig tree had leaves on it. What did it not have? And what did Jesus do? Why? I had someone come to me and say, that's not very nice of Jesus to kill the tree. I actually had someone say that to me. I thought he was a God of life. Well, for a start, I believe Jesus saw an object lesson. As a good teacher, he created an object lesson to teach his, his disciples a principle. But... What, what started that object lesson was a tree that didn't produce fruit. And someone, see, in our thinking, what's wrong with that? From God's point of view, there's a lot wrong with that. Because God likes fruit. He's the kind of God, when he puts an investment into something, his expectation is an increased return. Did Jesus tell parables about a man who, a number of parables, I'll find you some of the scriptures in these, and I'm teaching this all in the different order to it is in my notes. I've got to find them in my notes. But did Jesus tell parables? 
that relate to this. Let me read you some things out of some of the parables. Okay? Jesus, Jesus, why, why did Jesus curse that fig tree? He wasn't impressed that it wasn't fruit producing. And please don't, I'm not saying, yeah, Jesus, oh, Jesus is going to come curse you if you don't have fruit. I'm not saying that. Catch the prince. See, sometimes people hear the wrong side of what you're teaching. That there will be people who hear me say and they think, oh, that's all they'll get out of my, out of my message is, oh, Jesus is going to come curse me because I'm not producing fruit. No, no, no. Catch the heart of what I'm trying to preach. Don't let you, the, the enemy point out the wrong point, yeah? What I want you to begin to see is that you need to, we, we need to be a people who begin to expect and believe. We, we must become fruit-minded that every investment God makes in my life, he's looking for a, an increased return. I was going to read the parables, but let me, the, I came to these ones first. Just listen to these. Genesis 1. Genesis, the book of beginnings, lays the groundwork for a lot of things in the Bible. What's the, what is the first thing that God said to this newly created man? Yeah, go forward and multiply, but how did he say it? The Bible says God blessed them, but that's still not a quote. Yet. Technically, yes, we could say maybe that, but it's not in quotation. It said God blessed them and said... Be fruitful and multiply. Why does he put, do you know that all over Genesis 1, you see that phrase? You go to Noah. You go to Noah, Genesis 8. And he comes out, out of the, out of the ark, and, and immediately God comes in Genesis 8, 17. I'm just pulling out a few. It says, bring out every creature that is with you. And then a little bit later in the verse, so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful. Fruitful and increase in number. Do you know that God repeats that phrase all over the place in the Bible? Be fruitful. Why? Why does God keep saying this? Because he's a God that likes things to become fruitful and produce. Now, in that context, yes, you might be talking about people and different things, the multiplication of people, but you realize this principle's all over the place. So, if God's put an investment in my life, I should be coming, I should get to the place where I want that investment of the word of God to produce fruit in my life. Let me read you. These are the ones out of Jesus' parables. Matthew 21, verse 34. Just part of the parables. This, this was this is a time that the man gave his servant's responsibility over a vineyard, Yeah. But this is what it says, Matthew 21, verse 34. I'm just going to pull out phrases out of some of these parables, but notice this. When the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers. Listen to this. Why, why did he send his servants back to the vine dressers? That they might receive its fruit. In this parable, he says, he sent, he sent them back. He said, come on, I want, I want the fruit back from what I've invested. And then when, when, when they got there and there was no fruit, he got upset and he said this. He said, he'll destroy those wicked men, lease his vineyard to other vine dressers, notice this phrase, who will render to him his fruits. What was he looking for? There's something in that parable there showing us that when God puts an investment and he come, he, he's going to come and say, I want, where's the fruit on my investment? What is fruit? It is the multiplication. It's the increase of the seed. Now, that also tells me this. 
every investment God has put in my life has the potential to produce and multiply fruit. That's good news to me. When God puts his word into my life, the Bible says his word will not return to him void. It'll begin to work in your heart, work in your life. And you water that seed and you grow that seed and you speak, you release your faith. This is what my mom was illustrating with that. She began to stand on the word and sow that seed, water that seed, speak that seed. What happened? Produced a result in her life. When you take the word of God, And you apply it and you sow that seed and you water that seed and you take it. And just like Jesus said, you begin to speak that word. Jesus said it'll increase. It'll produce a harvest. But many Christians don't want to do that. They just want to get someone else to pray for me. Like I said, I'm not trying to say that critically. But what is God looking for? He's looking for a group of people who will start to produce the fruit and the harvest of his word in their lives. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that number. And I don't know about you, but I haven't always necessarily produced the fruit from the word. Have you? <laughs> okay. So I'm not trying to be con- condemned, yeah? None of us has, has always. But what I want, I want to put this in front of you. I don't want to say, I want, we need to be, say, Father God, you have put the investment of the word. The, you have put an investment of the word into my life. And I want to get serious about that word producing fruit in my life. I want to take your word and I want, to, I want the word of God to produce the kind of fruit in my life that's supposed to be produced. Here's another one, Luke 13. I'm just going to read the one phrase. It says, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Notice this phrase. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He goes on and tells the rest of the parable. What was he looking for? What did he come for looking for? This is in quite a few of Jesus' parables. What does it tell you about God? God looks for the fruit that's being produced from the investment. So should it be of no importance to us that there's a return in our lives on the word that he's invested into us? No, it should be the opposite. If God's looking for fruit, then it should become important to us. Lord, I want your word to begin to produce the fruit in my life that it's supposed to produce. I want that. Now, if you've fallen short of that, like I said, this message isn't about condemning. I'm not pointing fingers. Oh, you haven't produced the fruit. I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, it, it, when you realize this is important, make the adjustment and begin to seek God and say, Father God, I want, the, I want this fruit. I want the word to multiply and produce in my life what it's supposed to produce. I've already mentioned one of the things the word's supposed to produce in your life. What comes by hearing the word? Faith. Faith comes by hearing. I talked a moment about, about use your faith, grow, increase, multiply. <clears throat> but you see, when the seed of the word gets invested into your life, faith comes into your life. Now, God does not put the seed of his word in your life to produce faith so that you can put that little mustard seed faith on a shelf and tell everyone, look at my mustard seed faith. He puts it there because he's looking for his seed to birth in your heart an increasing, growing, strengthening faith 
that starts to learn how to take the word of God and to overcome mountains and overcome giants because your faith is increasing in magnitude because it's a seed that's growing and growing in your life. Now, before I had the word of God in my life, I didn't have the potential for that kind of faith. But once God sowed his seed and I let the word of God come into my life, I'm now on the starting Starting block of going in the direction where I have the potential to have. Someone, someone says, no, oh, I could never have such great faith like such and such. Oh, such and such. Oh, yeah, they have such great faith. God just gave them great faith. No, he didn't. He gave them a seed of his word. They took that seed. And they began to invest. And they're going to water that seed more and more in their life. They begin to build it and grow it by spending time in the word of God. And they begin, to, they begin to speak the word and take the word and apply the word and do the word. And that seed began to grow, began to grow, began to grow. And it started to produce fruit in their lives. That seed, when God sowed the seed of his word of healing in someone's life, and they invest and they, they water that seed and they speak that, like my mom illustrated, what happens is that seed begins to grow and produce a fruitful harvest of healing in their lives. Are you getting something out of this? What am I holding up before you? We need, to be, we need to realize that God wants the things that he's invested in our lives, very largely the word, to produce fruit. The enemy wants us just to discard it to the side and just no fruit be there and just always think, well, you know, you know we, do, we just can't do anything with any of this and, you know, whatever else. Set this in front of you as a vision and say, Father God, I want to get serious about the word producing the fruit in my life that it can produce. You know, that God's word has the power to change things. Someone says, oh, you know, God loves me the way I am. Yeah, he does, but you've got to realize this way. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. (laughs) What he wants to do is invest his word into your life. And his word has the power to produce changes inside of you. As you, you get serious about his word, as you begin to invest your heart and your attention into his word, his word is not just like natural history books, maths books. Yeah? It doesn't just feed the intellect. The word of God is food to your spirit. It feeds your spirit. It builds faith into your, the inside of you. And it begin, it, it, the, the, it's supposed to begin to grow and grow and grow and release a harvest of his word as the word produces fruit in your life. But the enemy has stopped this process in so many people's lives, which is why they've become like the other three types of ground. No fruit being produced from the word. The Word of God has the power to do things in someone's life and create, if you get serious about it, and if you begin to say, yes, Lord. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I still just, I I don't know where my answer is. Where's my answer? And I say, get in the Word. And I say, oh, yeah, we had teaching 20 years ago. Where's my answer? (laughs) You realize they're not getting it. All comes back to the Word. There is never a point in history where God is going to say, all right, church, you no longer need my word. We've got everything else now. (laughs) 
He's always actually trying to get them back to the word. We keep, we be the ones who, who keep drifting off it and he's got to bring us back onto it. Word of God has the power to produce a harvest, has the power to cause things to happen in your life. But the, as that word goes into your life, the enemy wants that seed just to remain a seed. And he wants you to be content with it just staying a seed. But actually, what's God looking for? He says, when I invest something into your life, I want that to produce fruit. Okay, don't get condemned. How many of you know seeds sometimes take a bit of time to grow? Just just because it didn't produce a fruit, you know, by by three hours later, don't get discouraged. and Say, well, I'm going to get condemned and whatever else. Just begin to realize... I believe the Word of God has the power to, to produce fruit in my life. I believe the Word of God has the power to increase. And, and, to, and to, because it is a seed, it has the power to do this in my life. So what do I do if the seed hasn't shown up yet? Keep watering it. Keep nurturing it. Keep giving it the right con- conditions, the right attention. Keep releasing and speaking out of your mouth. Keep investing the Word of God into your life. Watering that seed. Why? With the belief that that seed's going to produce a harvest in my life. Because you know what? Go to Psalm 1. We'll end on this. I hope you're getting something out of this. And my heart's not to condemn with what I'm saying. My, my heart is to encourage and teach. But God has invested a lot into the lives of believers across this planet. And one thing I've realized about God, when God puts an investment in, he's looking for a return. He's always looking for a return. He's looking for the production He's looking for the transformation and for something to happen with that investment in someone's life. Again, I'd be the first to say I've never always been the first one who's given God the best investment. There's times in my life, years have gone by, and God, I remember one minister, I was about to use myself as an illustration, I'll come back to that, but one minister said this, he said, God came to him one day and said, what are you going to do with such and such that I, that I did in your life? And the minister, he was honest with God. He said, God, to be honest, I wasn't intending on doing anything with that. <laughs> Might as well be honest. God knows anyway. See, God, God had invested something into him. And God, and God came and said, what are you going to do with this? He said, well, nothing. <laughs> and there's been times in my life for years, you know, I, God invested the word into my life as a, young, as a teenager as in the, going to Bible school. There's been times in my life where the word has not produced the greatest harvest. And God, I don't know, I know God invested good teaching and faith in my life. There's times in my life for a few years I just don't feel like being in faith over certain things. And I get discouraged and I get an unbelief. But every time God comes back to me, he says, come on, come on. I put this into your life. This has the power to produce faith in you. It has the power to do things in your life. Grab a hold of it again. Has the power to do things. We'll end here because my time is getting away. But Psalm one, what 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 am I trying to teach you today? Well, God likes fruit, and He wants the fruit produced. Someone says, "I don't know. I don't know if it's God's will to do something. I don't know if it's God's will to heal me." Then why would He sow through His Word seeds of healing into you? Right. <laughs> See, the enemy wants to. He sows the Word into your life because it has the power to begin to grow and produce fruit. That's what the Word does. It can bring changes when nothing else can. Psalm one. I'm not going to get time to teach. I was going to teach a lot on Psalm one, but we won't get there. 
Blessed is the man, verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I was going to talk a little bit about that. See, the Bible shows us there's two paths. There's the way of the world, there's the way of God. Many Christians these days want to live the way of the world and, and, and have, have the things of God work, work in their lives. But God lays it out clearly. So there's two paths, and, 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 and we've got to make a decision of which one we're on. But he starts to talk about the person who's on the path of God, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. What's that? For us, that's the word. See, at that time, maybe they, all they had was the law and different things. But for us, it's the word. There's, there's truth in this parable for us. It's a parable psalm for us too. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And notice this. In his law, what does he do? Why? He meditates how often? Before I ask why. He takes the word. He delights in the Lord. He, he meditates in the word day and night. What's he doing? That word is a seed. And, 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 and the, word is also, the word is a seed. It's also the water that waters the seed. It's quite amazing. <laughs> God said, my word is like rain in Isaiah 55, that has the power to, to, to water the earth and cause the seeds to produce on the earth. So his word is a seed, but his word is also the water for the seed. So you plant the word in your life as a, as a seed, and then what do you do? You keep watering day and night. You, see, you water the seed of the word in your life. You begin to water that seed, water it day and night, in, investing yourself into the word of God. What does the Bible say will happen? He shall be like, like a what? He shall be like a what? A what? Where did, where did trees come from? Trees come from seeds. Where did that tree come from? Came from verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. This is a person that's giving themselves, investing the word of God into their life. What happens? That word begins to grow and take over and become a tree. Now, many people want to be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, but they don't want to do verse 2. You're not going to get your life like a tree planted by the rivers of water if you don't plant the seed and water the seed properly. <laughs> okay? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What's the next phrase? That brings forth? Brings forth? Brings forth? Brings forth? That is, a, that is a guarantee from God. And when you invest the word into your life, it will produce. So I tried the word, it didn't work. No, 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 don't lie to me. <laughs> what did God say? The kind of person that gives themselves to the word and invests the word of God into their life what will happen? It'll, st it'll start to turn your life into one where fruit starts to get produced. From, from what? From the seed of the word. God's wanting each of us to learn how to do this. There's an area if you need breakthrough in your life, what do you do? Healing. You take healing. You begin to invest the word. Begin to meditate on it day and night. Invest the word into your life. Water that seed. Sow the seed. Water the seed of healing. 
whatever it is, you need breakthrough, you need God to move and touch and areas. You take the word of God on that, you begin to invest that into your life, begin to saturate yourself. So with the belief that I'm working biblical principles where God said the, 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 what will do, that seed of the word will, t- will grow up like a tree and will begin to produce the fruit. What's the fruit? Well, if you're investing healing seed, <laughs> healing fruit, well, someone say, I need more peace in my life. I was a very anxious person. <laughs> you take the word, you begin to get in the word of God and understand the peace of God in your life. Anything. I'm just giving illustrations. What will the word do for that person? Begin to produce the fruit of peace. Turn them into a peaceful person. Amen? Now, there's a lot more that I wanted to say tonight, but I hope you're getting something of what I say. We need, we need to be interested in the word producing fruit. Not just coming to hear the word and then get on, get on our merry lives. Every time you hear the word, God's investing seed into you or watering seed. But you also need to begin to believe that the seed that has been planted into me of the word is going to do what God said. It won't return void. It's going to grow up. And as, as, I, as I get more in the word, it'll grow up. It'll, it'll do what it needs to do in my life. And I want to be fruitful for God. I want God to come looking for fruit and go, whoa, there's a lot of fruit there. (laughs) That's what I like. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. I could go on because there's so much more to say, but I think think that's good for today. Father, we just worship you. Lord, we bless you. Father God, I pray that, 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 that things that I've said here will really impact some people and they will become fruit minded and begin to realize that, that you, you want the word of God to produce a harvest in our lives. And we don't want that harvest just, uh, just ending up by the wayside, choked up and nothing happening. And, and, and Lord, even if it has, even, he, 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 I, I just believe, I believe the, 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 that some people need to just hear this for a moment. I believe that some people might maybe think, well, well the, seed, the seed in my life just ended up by the wayside and, and, and the enemy is now sitting on your shoulder and saying, ah, you see, it's by the wayside. There's nothing you can do about it. But no, no, you see, stop believing that. Stop believing the enemy. Like I said, don't get condemned. Just begin to say, huh, Father God, I thank you that, 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 that you, you, you're, you're able. You're able. You're able. When, when I humble my heart and I say, Father God, I'm sorry I let the word end up by the wayside, God will say, I'll give you another chance. Let's get the, let's get the seed in the ground properly producing this time. <laughs> Amen? I just believe, I believe someone needs to hear that. But, but, but don't be discouraged about seed that hasn't produced and the word that hasn't produced in your life up till now. Just begin to say, Father God, let's get at this again. And let, 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 I thank you. You're a gracious, merciful, loving, heavenly Father. Even when I don't get it right, you just love me and you give me mercy. You give me another chance to get that seed producing in my life. And I, be, I, wanna, I want the word to produce the fruit because the word has the potential to turn every person into, in here into a spiritual giant. The word has the potential to turn every one of you. The enemy's lying. He's sitting on your shoulder lying and saying things will never change. He's lying to you. He's, he wants you to think, oh, no, there's no way through. But you know what? You need to hear what I'm just saying. The word of God sown into and watered in your life has the potential to put, turn every person here into a spiritual giant. A, spir- a, a, a spiritual powerhouse, solid and established and strong in the things of God. Every one of you. The word of God will do that to you. 
Amen. If you'll grab it and begin to say, Father God, yes, I want the word to do that in my life. I want that word to just grow up and become like solid tree, solid, strong, powerful, strong, fruit-producing tree in my life. It can do it. Amen. The word of God can do it. Hallelujah. Lord, we just bless you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. And we thank you, Father God, for the things that we've received from you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's all I've got for now. Unless anyone just has anything they want to say just before I close. Amen. All right. So we'll finish there. Bless you all.